Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, and welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. My name is Mark, and today, Gail and I are talking about big pages versus small pages. Now, Gail, I'll be honest, I have no idea what this means. So do you want to elaborate? Yeah, I mean, it's not about the size, it's about how you use it. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's not the topic. The topic is, well, basically this big debate in the blogging world. And as we have been growing our sites, we have been shifting our mentality on building sites and the way we've started building sites is we've done it like everyone has started. We've built a blog essentially. We've, you know, we had a WordPress blog. We built a couple of categories and we just, you know, posted in a linear fashion, right? But mm-hmm. uh, the problem is as a site gets bigger and gets like hundreds of pages, then a blog structure is just a terrible way of structuring your content essentially. Because, you know, look at Health Ambition. I think we have like 700 posts live or something. It's a nightmare to navigate right now. Yeah. Look at Authority Hacker. Even though, like with all the podcasts, et cetera, we had, if we put everything in one feed, it would be also horrible to navigate, right? Mm-hmm. And even if we had categories, it wouldn't be so great, to be honest. And imagine now we're doing pretty well with our site still, like, you know, even though the navigation is not ideal. Imagine that we want to spend that money in creating more content and we get to a point where on both of these sites, we publish three times a day, right? Like, imagine what the site looks like in six months. Yeah. It's just, like, blogs are great to get started, and when you publish small amount of contents, and when you, like, have, like, a small dedicated audience that follows you. But as you scale bigger sites, as you are talking about creating thousands of pieces of content, having thousands of pages on websites, it's just a terrible way to put things together. So we kind of had to go past that blog stuff and it's not necessarily reflected on our sites yet but this is how we're planning things and there will be redesigns coming for both sites next year and it's going to be a really different experience in terms of navigating things but we still need to already plan the content we're creating now and reorganize things into what would be more of a site that would navigate a bit like wikipedia or webmd or something like that something that is you know a big content site with a lot of information organized in a logical fashion Okay, and this this is not this is not talking about sort of siloing and stuff. This is not necessarily. Folks- There's different ways of doing that, and I'm not necessarily gonna go through like the different ways of doing that. So you know, we you can do the hardcore siloing. We, you can do what we call these floating topic pages, where you know a piece of content can be essentially part of different silos. We have, for example, this example of blog post: the best juicing recipes for weight loss. Well, you know, it could be both in weight loss and juicing, right? When we do these floating topic pages, like you can actually put this blog post under two silos if you want it. There's different ways of doing that, but we're not talking about size structure here. The topic of the podcast is big pages versus small pages. Because once you have accepted that you're going to need to structure yourself, oh, by the way, I forgot at the beginning of this podcast. This is an advanced podcast. If you're a beginner, don't change all your plans based on that podcast. A lot of people have asked us for more advanced stuff, so that's why I'm going through that today. And I think the people that were craving the original advanced stuff from Authority Hacker will like this podcast. If you're a newbie, you can listen to it, but don't change your plans based on what you hear. So to go back to the topic, 
once you've accepted, you need to structure your content in a different way. You cannot really use a block structure. You're going to need to, you know, essentially expand your category pages. You can silo them if you want, or you can use these floating topic pages, as I said. Then you come to the point where you need to start treating topics. An example I'm going to take a little bit later is the types of paintball games. So, you know, we keep talking about we need to start a paintball site. We still haven't done it, but one day we will. And uh, when we build that site, then probably one thing that we'll need to cover is the types of games that will be in paintball. So things like capture the flag, last man standing, team fights, etc. Right? And you know, the way we're going to be treating that topic, we can either choose to make a really big page that covers all the different types of paintball games and probably the main keyword for that page, and I haven't checked the search volume, but would be like paintball game types, right? And that would be a big list post and would describe a bunch of stuff. A little bit like what Brandin does on Backlinko, for example. Uh, or like Neil Patel does on neilpatel.com, etc., where they create these really, really big pages that are very information-rich, have a lot of content, often thousands of pages, and um, essentially cover everything in one page. That is one vision of things, and that's the big pages. The small pages vision is actually, instead of creating that one big page, is actually to break down the information in several smaller pages with less content. So you would probably have a page that says types of paintball games, but instead of going in depth, we'd probably just list the types of games and maybe write like a couple paragraphs. And then each name of type of game would link to a specific page. So there would be a specific page for capture the flag that may be like 500 to 1,000 words. There would be a specific page for last man standing. There would be a specific page for team fight, etc. So instead of having one big page, we end up with like five or six pages of content that you know are linked together in a logical way. And that is the debate. Like so- which I would hazard a guess to say there's not really a right answer for this at the moment. There's no. just a, a sort of set of best practices. Yeah, there's a set of best practices. There's also you know what the goal is for these pages, etc. Like there is pros and cons for each one. Essentially, the rest of that podcast is going to be going through the pros and cons of that, and then we'll tell you what we're going for. Actually, keyword research is something a lot of people talk about, but very few people talk about how you spread these keywords on pages and how you actually put some of them are like, how do you decide that all these keywords go in one page, but this one goes on another page, etc. There's no real hard rule, etc. And that is something I've been working a lot on this month because I've been doing the planning for our sites for next year. Health Ambition, we're planning like a thousand pieces of content. So I give you an idea of how big of a headache that is. And I've had a lot of discussions with a lot of people, so I thought it would be, it would be interesting to talk about that. So let's go through like the case for big pages and against big pages, and then we'll talk about the small pages and how we would break things down differently. So, so just to clarify, big pages when you have all your keywords, page. all your keywords on one page, five thousand odd words of content, six infographics, yep. etc. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And one of the things is like you know, as you said, like you have like infographics, you have all that stuff, and usually you know you put a lot of effort in these pages. You make them look epic, and as a result, they look impressive they look like especially when you just glance at the page usually you know they have fancy formatting they have as you say like infographics custom images etc and as a result they're easy to show to people and impress them with and you know using things like the skyscraper method for link building for example it tends to get more links more yes more people saying yeah i'm gonna add a link to that page because it's such an epic page right 
to be frank, it's it's a little bit stupid. It's like saying like because people get impressed by the amount of content on the page, right? But it's like saying the biggest pizza in the world is the best tasting pizza in the world. You know, yeah, uh, doesn't really make much sense. But you know, people get impressed by quantity of content, so that's definitely a plus. However, I don't necessarily think it's a plus for the user, right? But actually, it should be that in the negative. So I'll bring that up later. One good thing as well with these big pages is, is when you're successful with them, they rank for a lot of keywords, including short tail keywords, like right. So we could rank for like paintball games or something for that page. Mm-hmm. And if it does, plus like all the long tail variations, you know, that page could rack up tens of thousands of visits per month. And that is a lot of traffic to your site in a single page. And that's what I call a home run with with these kind of big content. And the third benefit I would say that uh, for these pages is that you look more authoritative. You know, it's like if every time you open a page on the website, it's like an epic page, then you're like, wow, this person is amazing. Uh, they only do big pizzas. I, but you inspire more trust, once again, through the wow factor that happens every time they click on a link on your website, which is a pro. Then there are obviously some cons to that model which is when you fail, you fail spectacularly. And we have done that several times, right? So it's amazing when it succeeds. You get like tens of thousands of visits to your site and you make money and you rank for these really impressive keywords and you can brag about it on SEO groups or something. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also the case, which I would say is at least half the time, often more, where you've been putting a lot of money and a lot of resources into a single page. And it just doesn't work out. And you end up with this page getting like 20 visits a month, right? And you've been putting hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars into that that giant page between you know the content, the edition, the custom infographic you've built for it, the time you've spent link building, etc. And you know, the computation was just too fierce. And you know, you can improve your keyword restore skill to to reduce that that fail rate, but it will always happen. For some reason, sometimes, you know, even low-com keywords, you just don't end up ranking. And yeah, you've lost a lot of money at once, which is not very nice. It's essentially like you have not diversified your investment. Mm-hmm. And other thing is, and I know this way too well with Authority Hacker, is slow content production. When you try to only create big content, especially if you want it to be epic, etc., and you are a bit of a perfectionist like we are, then you end up never releasing content. And you take forever to release a new post, and I'm sure the people that read the blog know exactly what I'm talking about because at the time at which we're recording, the last time we posted was in August. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we've been creating a whole training course in the meantime, uh, so we've been working. But if we were more into the short content stuff on Atari Hacker at the time at which I'm recording that podcast then there would have been a lot of blog posts that came out, even if they were like 500 words, 600 words, etc. So that is something that is definitely a big minus. And it's also harder to find people that can create that kind of content without being fluffy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know that because you've been managing a lot of writers. Like, you know, you ask them 2,000 words and they end up just telling you the story of their lives for 1,500 words and then telling you something about the actual topic for 500 words. It's much harder to find people that don't do that. It's also harder to, to research it sometimes if it's, if it's a technical topic. Most people would probably be able to write a hundred words about rocket science. But if you ask them to write 10,000 words about it, there's only so many 
times you can say the easiest things, you know, over and over again before you start having to go into like more get more complex details, which is which is difficult. So I think that's where it stems from. Yeah. Another thing as well is like, you know, if we take the example of the paintball game types, you kind of dilute the page theme, right? So for example, if you take capture the flag paintball, let's say that's a keyword. Mm-hmm. Well, if you create that big page, right, maybe like 15 to 20% of the content of that page would be about that. So, you know, Google will say, okay, it's kind of talking about that, but it's only a small fraction of the page. Whereas if you only have a 600 words page that talks only about capture the flag paintball, it's 100% of the page talking about that. So it's deemed more relevant, even though it has less content and uh yeah and this is this is something which we're going to talk about next week in the podcast when we get to do our uh, seo predictions for 2017 but hint one of them is relevancy is going to be a, a much more important thing next year yeah and also like the dilated page team is also something that helps the uh, user experience right let's imagine that your big page ranks for capture the flag paintball you know, someone clicks on the result and then they have to scroll like three quarters of the page to actually get to content about that, you know? Yeah, um, and if they're on their phone and there's 5,000 words, they're going to have a sore finger by the end of it. Yeah, exactly. In many cases, like it doesn't necessarily directly answer the, the query that you're ranking for. So the user experience is bad. And as a result, you know, more people will bounce and that could actually lower your rankings. But you get more links, you know. <laughs> but also, because you dilute the theme of the page, and as I said, Google sees like 20% of the page is about capture the flag versus 100% for the smaller page, you need more links to rank for these these kind of long-tail keywords as well. Like, I've been doing research for like supplement stuff for Health Ambition, and, you know, I think the example was like probiotics. And uh, like a page that was just in general about probiotics, ranking for like supplement keywords, maybe they would need like 60, 70 links. Whereas a page that's just about the supplements, they need like one, two, three links, you know? So you get links in an easier fashion, but you also need more links to rank. So that is basically big pages. That is where it stands. Now, let's talk about small pages, the pros and cons. And a lot of it is going to be the reverse of what we've talked about for big pages. So that might go a little bit faster. But the first thing that I think is really, really, really valuable is they're easy to produce and outsource. And that means, you know, hiring people and spending money and building a team, et cetera, is much easier. If you say, write me an article that's 800 words about capture the flag for paintball, it's pretty easy to outsource. We could even go on text broker and get something decent about that. Whereas, you know, write me a giant guide about paintball game types. Most people won't even figure out there is capture the flag, you know, most writers. So it is definitely easier to outsource. And when you get to the scale at which we're getting, this is really important. The second one is you don't need to be looking nearly as impressive for every subpage. So the time spent on like formatting and graphic design and all that stuff is a lot less. Like sometimes like a basic WordPress page with just text that's like broken down into proper paragraphs and subparagraphs is enough, right? Yeah. And think of it more as if someone's asking you a question and you're able to give them the answer, like why write 2000 words when you can give the the answer in 10 words, you know? Yeah. It's also one of our predictions, like being concise is a good idea, basically. And as I said just earlier, because your page is more relevant, you need less links to rank, which is quite a big plus. It's harder to build links, but you also need less, you know? You say you need less links to rank. Does the the length correlate proportionally with the number of links, do you think? Or is there, if it takes you 10 small pages versus one big page, do you need 10 times as many links or is it 20 times as many links to, um, to rank the big it's page? It's different. 
it really depends. Like if you're targeting short tail keywords, I'd say probably big pages are better. Like if you're targeting paintball, you either need like your homepage or you need like a really big Wikipedia type page, you know? Mm-hmm. If you want to rank for all these kind of like paintball, uh, capture the flag, paintball, last man standing, etc., actually like short pages that are just on the point will actually tend to do better for these keywords. But for the keyword paintball, the page, the site with the big page seems to tend to do better. It doesn't apply for really, really high authority sites. So I was looking a lot at WebMD lately. And WebMD, you know, they rank for some really short, like one word keywords mm-hmm. with pages that have like 200 words. And that's just because they're like so powerful and because the site structure is so well built. And, we're yeah, gonna and they're a massive authority today. as well, you know, very, very yeah, exactly. well established. Like so, authority them up, you know? Yeah, that is the pros and cons. There's probably not one winning at everything. But yeah, so that is the pros for small pages. It's easy to outsource. You don't need fancy formatting, graphic design, and you need less links to rank. The case against it is that they require more planning, oddly. Like when you create big content, usually it works in a block format. Like because you know you create less of these pages, it works better as a block format. So you don't need to necessarily like plan the whole site in advance, etc. But when you're creating small content, you know, it's very possible you're gonna publish three, four, five times a day when you scale up your site. And as a result, like if you start following this blog format, as we said earlier, it becomes super messy. And so you need to really carefully plan all your sections. And basically, before you get started with writing anything, you need to at least have your entire section planned out with exactly what's going to get done. And so it's more work in terms of planning earlier. As I said, link building is trickier. However, you know, it's like if you have a hub page, as I said, like let's say you have a page that says paintball game types and just links to all these other sub pages, then you can promote that hub as like one piece of content, you know? So I could be doing my skyscraper for like paintball game types. And I just say, instead of saying I created that page, I I created several pages, feel free to click around to read about the content, you know, and try to get links to that hub page anyway. And one thing as well that is definitely a minus on the short content pages is that it's easier to be one-upped by the competition. And what I'm saying is, for example, if your page on Capture the Flag Paintball is 600 words, then it's not super hard for the competition to create an, a 900 words one and just have the same amount of links and maybe outrank you. Whereas when you create like super epic content, the barrier to entry is much higher and, and you secure your rankings for longer. However, you know, when epic content gets out of date, so for example, our Make Money blogging post is like, it's okay still, but like, you know, it's 2015 numbers now. Same with our ClickBank stuff, it's 2014 numbers. Now I'm going to have to like really bang my head on the wall again on these topics to update them. And, and that is also a big piece of work. So, but, but still, it's harder for the competition to, to essentially do better than you really build a wall that the competition needs to climb above. So that is basically the pros and cons of like small pages versus big pages. A small page is like, is more like a small hub of page versus one big page. In terms of what we're going for, the more I'm looking at it, the more I'm leaning towards us going towards this smaller page stuff, both on Authority Hacker and on Health Ambition, meaning publishing a lot more frequently, but content that sometimes can be a couple hundred words only. And because our skill at link building is like much higher than it used to be a couple of years ago, that's not really scaring me too much. Not necessarily what I would recommend a newbie to go into. Maybe the blog format, especially if you don't produce a lot of content, is better for people. But otherwise, yeah, in terms of what we want to go for, I think shorter content, if you can keep the 
tempo of producing and publishing high enough can have higher return on investment. And most importantly, when I've been looking a lot at search results and so on, I tend to see Google is giving less of spot for the really, really big pages like it used to. Like, as I said, I've done a lot of keyword research in the last 10 days. I see a lot of these small pages, like four, five, six, seven hundred words, targeting very specific keywords, ranking for, you know, these one, two, three thousand searches per month keywords, way above these really big pages, even when they have 10 times more links, you know. So we're going to give that a shot. Uh, we'll probably update that on the blog or on the podcast, see how it goes. But it was a debate we had recently on our planning. And I think a lot of people might be thinking about that. Nobody talks about distributing keywords. So I thought that was a good idea. So that's basically all I had to say. <laughs> all right. Brilliant. I, I want to do a quick uh, ask me anything question. So we're going to be answering one of these every week on the, the podcast. So um, if you guys want to ask us a question about online marketing, SEO, big and small things or anything else um, then go to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask you can uh, there's a little form there you can type in your question and we'll read it out or you can even now record your voice and we can play that out and, and answer that on the, the next Ooh, episode well yeah yeah moving up in the world so uh, this week's question comes from Atti who I believe is German he's asking he's saying that he's found a site which is basically a sports review site. So it covers all sports and they're doing reviews for all sorts of different products, golf, tennis, all this kind of stuff. And he's basically asking, why should he not do this? Why should he focus on, you know, picking one specific sport? Why would you pick paintball over, I don't know, like gun games or all extreme sports or or just sports in general? Like, where do you draw the line in kind Mm -hmm. of encircling yourself as as like the position of the authority when is a site too broad yeah i mean it's not just that it's like it's really different business models right so the reason he's asking that is because he's planning on ranking for like best paintball guns like basically ranking for these keywords sending people to amazon make a commission but authority sites are not just that, right? They're not just ranking for Amazon keywords and sending. It's just like a, a part of the monetization. Like House Ambition makes like 25, 30% of its money from that kind of stuff. But, you know, the other sources of income are like way diverse. We use advertising. We have email marketing. We have all these things that do pretty well. And if you have a site that's in general about sports, then you're going to get a much wider audience and you won't necessarily be able to use all these other forms of monetization. I mean, advertising AdSense, sure you can, but like, you know, building an email list of targeted people, et cetera, I guess you could segment, et cetera, but it becomes really, really complex as we've learned with House Ambition, actually. It really depends on what you're going for. I don't recommend you build sites that will forever be based on reviews only, or at least you, you should definitely get into niches where you can do more than that. And the people that I know that make good money from Amazon, et cetera, like over 10K a month, et cetera, I'm telling you, most of them are looking for ways to not just rely on Amazon because that is a risky business. So that is the first reason why you should niche down because then you're building a real audience around your site and you can monetize with more than reviews. And second of all, it's a bit like asking, like, why would you start an e-commerce site only selling I don't know, like bags. Why don't you just sell everything that's on Amazon? Same question, you know? Yeah. Essentially, it's like a budget thing. It's like if you don't have the budget or the capacity to create enough content to cover your topics properly, you won't be deemed super relevant by Google. If you only have one or two pages 
about a topic, it's much harder. Like it's better to have like a couple dozen pages about a single topic and you tend to rank higher because your site is seen as more covering the topic in a better way than the competition. And so imagine that you take a hundred sports and you need like 30 pages for each. Well, if you cannot create 3,000 pages, I would probably not go for everything. I guess you could start with a few and then expand. That's a possibility if you cover them properly. But then you are closing the door or you're making it more complicated to create these uh, real community around your site that you can monetize in more ways than just Amazon reviews. Yeah, and you also give yourself a whole heap of other problems. So if you're getting into, let's say, golf and tennis and badminton and running and canoeing, you then need to go out and hire four different writers who know four different topics. And chances are you're not going to know them all in detail yourself. So you need to hire different editors who have different specialities. You're giving yourself a lot more work. It's kind of like pick one and do that and then do another one afterwards, you know, start another site. It's a bit hard to explain as well because someone could be like, okay, so well, why do I pick paintball as a niche? Why not just paintball guns or paintball masks? And then if you go into paintball masks, why not just red paintball masks or you know red paintball masks costing under $25 as a niche? There's not really an exact way. I mean, the flip side is why don't you just choose everything as a niche? You have to decide somewhere. And when you start having to have multiple different people who are multiple different areas of knowledge which are just like completely distinct from each other like someone who knows about paintball guns chances are they know about paintball masks as well but you know it's 50 50 or probably unlikely that they know about you know the best drivers for golfing so i think that's a good way of thinking about it from your own perspective and that's more likely than not what people coming to your site are going to be interested in, in as well you know someone interested in paintball mass also going to be need a gun as well so yeah yeah so that's that's basically why i mean it's definitely not something you couldn't do it's just like it's a business model choice and it's it's also like a capacity thing. Usually people asking these kind of things are the people that don't make much money and haven't done it before. Like they don't understand how much work that would be to actually do that properly. If you haven't built a site around something that is a small niche first successfully, then I don't recommend you do that in a big niche. You can make thousands of dollars in just paintball per month. Like if that can replace your job income and you can take the time to focus on that full-time to actually figure out how to do it on a bigger side, then that's a win. You know, you need to go through steps that are realistic. Like you will not build the next Facebook as your first company. So start small and grow from there. What we recommend, and we talk about this in the authority side system, is not limiting yourself with your branding. So don't be too narrow either. So you can expand later. You can start on something very small and then expand a little bit because your branding allows you and you don't need to change your domain, etc. But even if... You want it to expand. Like, let's say you have your paintball site and you want to expand to like extreme sports. Well, you can still move your domain, move your paintball content to your extreme sports site and redirect your paintball domain. And honestly, you'd probably keep 95% of your traffic. So why not start focused? And then if you want to expand later, you can still do that. 
Yeah, I mean, the number of people I've come across who have sort of maxed out their niche, if, if as long as they haven't chosen, chosen something super small, but I don't think there's too many people who have paintball sites or golfing sites who wish that they'd gone one step bigger and covered all sports. It's quite unusual that that would happen. I, in fact, I don't have any personal experience of, of, of speaking to, to people that, that have been... Well, once people have been successful in one niche, they realize how much work it would be to be in like many at the same time, you know? Yeah. Plus, you know, most niches, that there's new products coming out all the time. There's new news, new, I yep. don't know, rules, all this kind of stuff. So it's quite rare that you would run out of stuff to uh, to say, to talk about, or products to cover anyway. So I guess that's our answer. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So once again, if you guys want to ask us a question, go over to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask and maybe next week we'll read your answer out. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training. 